Hey, warriors, welcome to the Untamed Life podcast, where we are breaking free from those chains of the past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time for us to ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt into a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in spiritual principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you are craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force, true prosperity in all arenas, and a life of adventure, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high-performance coach and spiritual mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so that you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to another episode. It's Christine Jewell, and today I'm talking about relationships. I'm really excited about today's conversation. I'm especially speaking to the ladies out there. You guys, I'm talking to the women who are longing to have more connection with their man, who want to feel more presence, more of his presence. Like maybe you're longing just to feel more like you're in an actual romantic relationship. Maybe you guys have fallen into patterns of just like, you know, having specific roles that you're playing. You're really good teammates or roommates or, you know, partners in crime, but you don't really feel the love, you know, that, that kind of connection and bond that you're craving. So I want to talk specifically to the ladies today about, I'm going to share five things that you can do to re-infuse, um, your marriage, your relationship today. And, um, here's the thing. This is, for the ladies, but I'm also going to be welcoming the men to listen in, of course, because I'd love to hear your feedback. You guys can always connect with me at the Christine Jewel on Instagram. And, um, you know, I think it's a powerful conversation for both sides to hear and just to absorb, right? And I, whenever I speak to the men too, I think it's powerful for the listen, women to listen in, right? For the ladies to listen in. Um, but before I even start on those five things, and you know me, so there'll probably be more, is I want to talk about just for a moment, like why I believe relationships, specifically, you know, marriages, uh, being in that sacred union and coming together. I mean, it is so powerful. It is such a position of power when it comes to creation, to protecting, you know, the, the vision that each of you have, you know, that the assignments that you've been called into, right? When you come into a relationship and you feel that person that's next to you, that support structure, that person that's by your side, who gets you, who understands you, who will fight with you, who will love you, who will care for you. Like it creates such a base, right? Such a base in a launching pad to leap from that it literally pours rocket fuel, rocket fuel into your vision. If you're a man and if you're a woman, it just like, it's like deeply, deeply nourishing to the well of our soul. And it creates such a safety and such a structure and such a foundation that our feminine essence, like our creative energy, our nourishing energy, you know, our life-giving energy starts to really build up and well up like a spring starts to come up inside of us and we become lighter, we become freer, we, our radiance starts to shine, our beauty amplifies and actually we, we drop into such, um, so much more creative energy and I'm seeing this in the women that I work with. I'm seeing, I've seen this in my own life that, you know, as I come into more right alignment, right, in my relationship, 
every layer of deeper connection that we forge, right? Every layer that we move into like really clarifying our vision together and cleaning up any bitterness or resentment or residue or any of that that's in our relationship. I mean, it just like pours more rocket fuel into both of our visions, our missions. It seems to amplify everything in our lives because we're not getting sucked up, our bandwidth, our creative energy is not getting pulled, worrying about what the other person is doing, what they're thinking, how they're going to react, like worrying about their reaction, their mood today, right? Walking on eggshells. Like we can feel so protected, so supported that literally the structure is there for all of your creative energy to flow into the very thing that you're being called to lead right now, right? Whatever that thing is, whatever that vision is, whatever the mission at hand is right now. And this is why, you know, I really, really, really want to double down, triple down, put a seal on the fact that we have got to get these relationships in our life right. First of all, the relationship with ourself, the relationship with God, the relationship with the opposite sex or our partners, because when we can get this dynamic of relationship, right? It is, it's incredible. The unlocking of energy and bandwidth that opens up. And like I said, we're no longer adding, we're no longer trying to get by or trying to get things to happen. Everything starts happening in multiples for us. So it's, it's the ultimate life giving nourishing place to operate from. I think I'll do another episode on that. I don't want to deviate too much, but really like relationships, getting those right is the foundation. So I hear a lot of ladies that come to me, a lot of women that I work with, you know, at different stages of the game, marriages, relationships, the ebb and flow, obviously. And I want to say like, I haven't been married for 30 years. I don't have this like long legacy of like the perfect marriage. I actually have a legacy of a lot of mistakes, a lot of doing things wrong, right? Those of you, I'm not hiding behind the fact like I've been divorced. I've had betrayal and affairs inside of my marriage on both sides in the past. I grew up in a home that was riddled with affairs and betrayal and abusive language, distorted love, right? Distorted affection. Um, and there was, I saw a lot of like what not to do, right? I had like the perfect example of what not to do. And as I always say in the show, like we repeat mostly what we experience, right? We repeat what we experience if we don't decide to be the ones that are going to break those patterns, right? So we end up repeating, repeating, a lot of what we experienced when we were younger, a lot of the woundings keeps playing itself out, running our life until we decide that we are going to break the patterns. We're going to opt into a new reality. We're going to do the healing work, right? And we're going to choose a different path, a different set point. And so even though I wanted to say like, what qualifies me? Cause I not going to be the one that's like, yes, I've been married for 40 years and we've, you know, navigated all the challenges. But what I can tell you is I have gone through really dark nights, really dark seasons, and I have navigated them very, very poorly. And I have done a lot of these things that I'm about to talk about. Um, and I've seen the results and the total breakdown that happens. And I've seen the shift when I, started showing up different in relationship. And again, this is manifesting in my marriage right now, but this starts at a even much more, you know, deeper level within ourselves. But today I want to talk about, you know, what are these five things that we can start to reinfuse, reinfuse life, love, connection, you know, 
joy back into our relationships. I think that a lot of our marriages, especially um, those of you who I work with, a lot of you are married, some of you on your second marriages, right? And it seems like the conversation is that the marriage or the relationship has been sucked the dry. Like it's kind of just, it's like the joy has been diffused, right? The connection is sort of dispersed, right? The, the communication is a little discombobulated. It's like, you're both trying to speak, but you don't really get each other fully. Like, so when I say about reinfusing anywhere where it's been diffused or disconnected or divided, or even just like you're getting by, it's fine, but it's not fantastic. Right. And it's still something that's in the back of your mind. So I believe that we can always be adding more life, more love, more intimacy, more connection into our marriage. And ladies, there's a lot that we can do, right? There's a lot that we can do. And I have the privilege of working with men and women and, you know, being in the backside of the conversation, like really hearing what these guys are saying on the backside, you know, and, and it's like so beautiful to me to hear how much they really crave and want to be, you know, to experience your affection and your words of affirmation, right. And your approval. I know that sounds, you know, but they want to please you, you know, they want to come through. And yet a lot of them feel like they're just, kind of fighting an uphill battle, right? And no matter how hard they try, they can't satisfy. <laughs> so I got a whole other episode for you guys on that. But let's jump right in. So, I'll, and by the way, these are in no particular order, okay? But I'm going to start with the first thing. And the first thing here is really, number one, the first thing you can do to reinfuse life into your relationship. And I'm starting here on purpose because I believe everything stems from identity that we choose, the identity that we opt into, the role. And here's what I want to say. Decide what role you want to play in your marriage. Okay. Because a lot of us are playing roles of mommy. Okay. We're mothering our men to death. We are playing role of referee, right? We're refereeing between him and the children. And we're kind of like, trying to pick sides and defend people and blowing our whistle and do this, don't do that. And, you know, telling everybody the rules and everything else. I got to be careful of this one. You might be playing the fixer. You might be playing the savior. You might be playing the boss. You might be playing roommate. You might be playing antagonist, right? Like I am his enemy. And so we don't even realize a lot of these roles. Again, we just repeat a lot of what we've seen, right? We also repeat and we play out based on our wounding, right? If we feel unsafe or unprotective, we're going to try to create all the structure and be super controlling of what need to know everything, right? Because maybe we didn't have that sense of safety and protection. If we have a wounding around rejection or abandonment, right? We're going to maybe be a little bit more clingy or possessive or whatever that needing to, you know, constantly feel, you know, his affection, his affirmation and letting him know all the ways that he's not showing up for us. So again, just paying attention, right? To what role do you find yourself in most of the time? And what role do you want to play? This was a big thing because I really didn't understand this when I was married before. And I played the role of boss mama, um, competitor, um, 
kind of like, I said, boss mama, fixer, savior. I wanted to save them. I was on a mission to bring them along with me. You know, I was doing all this personal development work. I was reading all these books. I was in entrepreneur groups. I was like, I am in this. I'm winning. He better come or he better, he better keep up or else, you know, this isn't going to work. But I had this energy where I was like always trying to fix him or build him up or create, like he was my project a lot of times, right? And no man wants to be your project, okay? No man wants to be your little boy or be treated like one unless he's still acting like a prince. And it becomes this like weird dynamic that you guys create together where, you know, I see this a lot actually where a lot of us are mothering, a lot of women are mothering their men and the men never get the invitation to rise into an actual position of king leader in their home, right? Like to really claim their position as the masculine leader because the woman is like just bulldozing them or mothering, 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 and she's making all of the decisions and she's telling him everything to do and she's the one that has to you know, he's leaning on to solve his problems, to give him the answers, right? And it's like, well, when she's not there, then, you know, there's a lot of blame going on, right? So just pay attention. Number one is decide what role you want to play. I invite you to choose the role of lover or wife and then define, like, what does that even mean to you, right? Because a lot of us have very different definitions of what that means. For me, really, getting real with myself that I don't want to be anybody's mama anymore. I don't want to be anybody's coach. I don't want to be their personal development guru or junkie. I don't want to be their project manager. I don't want to be their house cleaner. I just want to be his lover. I want to be his wife, his confidant. You know, I want to be the one that he knows he can come to the safe place. Right. And really getting clear on like, what role do you want to play? This is key. So again, it keeps you focused, right? And um, it's sometimes it's a role that we have to learn because we've never really fully embraced it. You know, we kind of played girlfriend for a while and we did that the way that we knew how maybe we were like a little seductive or manipulative or playful, or maybe it was awesome. And then we just got swept away in the day-to-day -day grind. But number one is decide what role you want to play. The second thing is, and again, in no particular order is once you decide what role you want to play, honestly, like let's become more of an observer, less of a judge. Let's become more of an observer and less of a judge. One of the first things I have women do when they start working with me is actually like lean back a little bit, right? We're so, especially the ladies that I work with, a lot of you are high achieving, you're go, go, go. You're, and you're on one of two ends of the spectrum, either you're constantly like leaning in, like I have the answer, I have the solution, I know what to do. And you're so used to having to decide and execute because a lot of you maybe are in executive ro executive roles, right? You're the ones making the decisions. And I'm not saying you can't because I make a lot of decisions. However, we have this energy where we're like leaning in and kind of pursuing them. So I invite you to like pull that back a little bit, right? Lean back. And by the way, when I say pursuing him, it can be something like he's laying on the couch or he's doing something and you're like, well, what are you doing? When are you doing this? And we start kind of in this nagging energy, like up in them rather than just leaning back a little and just observing, right? Notice how much of your energy is frantically like, what is he doing? Why is he doing that? And then like, maybe you're even vocalizing that, right? And so 
becoming an observer, the invitation that I was saying is like, I actually invite the ladies to just lean back a little, start to watch him observe. And you know, one of the things that I really prayed about, I had to pray about this because I was so programmed to seeing everything that he was doing wrong. Like I literally would look at my ex, my ex-husband, and then my ex after that. I was in several long-term relationships that just were constantly nitpicking, like the same stuff presenting itself over and over again, never able to break through because we were in these patterns, right? I was playing all these like confused roles, um, that I felt like obligated to play. I didn't trust that he would rise to the occasion. That's a big one. Didn't talk about that, but there's so many things I could go with like a list of a hundred here. So I'm just nearing these down, but you know, as I chose to like really reclaim my position of lover, of a wife, part of that, a huge piece of that was leaning back and just beginning to observe, to watch, you know, him and look for the things that he was doing right, the things that he was like, I was proud of the things that, you know, made me smile about him. In, you know, in the, in the rat race of life and the frenetic energy of having to do, do, do more things, we end up being like two cogs in a wheel. A lot of times we're in this like production factory lifestyle, especially when you get sucked into the old world systems, right? You got to be careful of that you have to protect, um, the place where you choose to live, the realm that you choose to live from, right? You could choose to live and operate in this world system, or you can, if you're listening to this and you're a kingdom minded leader and you have those seeds of faith, you have to remember like the kingdom is at hand right here, right now, right? It's like, I am opting in to one reality or the other. So if I'm opting in to the reality that I know that the kingdom is at hand and God is here and he's, you know, I can put on (laughs) a different set of eyes instead of just the survival eyes that are always looking for what's wrong and looking for what's broken and looking for the exit, right? Or the threat. And I can put on the eyes of love and grace and start to look for things that I can celebrate, which brings me to the third one here, which is really, you know, as we, as we become more of an observer, I want to go back, backtrack for a minute. As we become more of an observer and less of a judge, we start to listen and hear actually all of the judgment that wants to come up in our head, right? Like you hear it, you hear the chatter. You're like, Oh my gosh, look at him doing that. Look at her. Why did he do that? What, what is he thinking? I would do it this way. And I literally just had this experience last weekend. Cause again, it's not that these, this chatter doesn't come up in my mind, right? It's less and less, but when there's, um, times of our life where we're getting squeezed this last weekend, his mother was visiting my mother-in-law. And let's just say that we live very, very different lifestyles. We live in very different realities. We have very different types of language that we communicate with. I mean, I felt like, you know, I was in a part of it was like, okay, whoa, it was really stretching both of us a little bit. Um, because we have such a different way of operating. And so there was a lot of things that were going on with kids activities and volleyball tournaments, and then trying to entertain the mother-in-law and and doing other things. And, you know, there was a lot of logistical moving pieces, a lot of different energy, a lot of different people's energy, a lot of emotions. And in those moments when we start getting stretched and there's, you know, it starts to feel a little chaotic it's easy to start getting judgmental. Right. And I could listen and I could hear like all of this, like judgment coming up and irritation and frustration. Why is he doing that way? And I really had to consciously like 
exert my wisdom around this, right? And I didn't do it well. Like I did it pretty well. There was one moment where I just did not do it well, right? But again, it's becoming the observer and just noticing like how much of that comes up and then can I redirect, right? Can I, can I choose in this moment, um, to focus, to see, to observe what else, what else is going on, right? Yeah. I see that he did that or said that to the kids, but what else, right? What else is going on with him right now? And I was able to, to notice like maybe some of the things that my husband was also wrestling with this past weekend, um, what he was really trying to create. Right. And, and we were able to have a different conversation around, okay, like, whoa, we just got caught up in the chaos for a moment. That is totally not the way that we operate in terms of our house and like the peace and the flow that we want to have. So let's get back to it. Right. And we were able to have some beautiful, like heart to heart, real raw, real conversations around some of the, the hard stuff that, that was taking place. So becoming an observer allows us to get back to the heart of the matter. So I I stayed on that for a little bit. Um, and with that, you know, I want to say that the third thing I want to say here is like really using the, recognizing the power of your words. You know, I just created a, an Instagram quote and I use it a lot. It's like, you know, a queen's whisper, a queen's whisper has the power to give life or just paper cut something to death, to destroy. Our words can be so life-giving, so nourishing, so building up, and also so just vile and vicious and paper cutting and really like it feels like a sword to the heart for our men, right? Because we're not going to slap them around. Our strength is actually our, our beauty. If we pour affection and love onto them, like we give of ourselves to them and we receive them in, right? That's a huge thing in, in our words. So what I hear is, you know, and what I did for so many years was just paper cutting, you know, criticizing, critical, critical, critical. And the tone, you know, I used to have my kids call me out on this all the time. And my mom and other people would say like, Christine, your tone is so like harsh. It's cutting. And I could, I just couldn't hear it. Right. But it was the energy I was in. Right. It was a place I was operating from as well. And so it's really recognizing the power of our words and a queen's whisper, you know, a a queen just when, when she can whisper life into her man, like she builds him up. She uses her words to build up her King. And in doing so, like she, she multiplies him, right? He starts to like really rise to the occasion. So are you building him up with your words? Are you edifying him or are you tearing him down? Right. And it doesn't sound like much, but it can be the specific choice of words that we're using. Like, are they expansive? Are they building him up? Are they calling him up, inviting him to rise or are they constantly calling him out? I want to really tap in on this one. Cause this is something I used to do a lot. I'd be like, no, like I'm calling him. I'm, I'm inviting him to step up. And I was doing a lot of call outs, finger pointing. You do this, you do this, you know, it's time for you to da, 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 da. It's time for you to grow up. And I was felt like, you know, I had a little bit of this thing going on where I was like, I'm calling him out. And everything changed when I started to call him up right? Like I know what you, I know what's in you and I know what you really desire. And I know that it's in you right now. And I'm inviting you to, to take control of that, to get that back and like, bring that up, bring that into our marriage. Right. So inviting him to rise up. So one of the things I say to my ladies a lot is speak to him, 
like the man he may have forgotten he is, right? Speak to him like the man that you know he is, not the one that he's not showing up as, right? We, are, we do a great job of reminding everybody <laughs> who they're not and what they're, do, what they're not doing. But are you recognizing who he is in his heart, at his core, you know, what he is doing that's right, that is good, right? That is with good intention. Maybe you don't like the how, right? But if we can address the heart, then we can play with the how. We can, this brings me to the next thing. It's like once we speak to his heart, the heart of the man, right? Instead of the superficial layer of what he's doing that isn't satisfying us or whatever. The next thing here is really asking. Number four is asking clearly for what we desire and what we need. And I would say that this is probably the most challenging thing actually that I work with, with the ladies on. And I've really struggled with this one too. Like even today when I was driving home, I realized like, whoa, there was some things that I had been asking my husband for and not a big deal. He's like, yeah, just tell me like, what do you need? You know, just let me know and I'll make it happen. And they were like big financial things. And I just, noticed that there was a certain amount financially that I was like now, oh, I feel bad for asking him to, you know, deliver this so that we can do this thing. And I was actually like, I, I feel like I should contribute more. And all this old stuff started coming up right around just like this contraction I was feeling about asking him or following through on this decision we both made actually to invest in something. But then when it came down to like asking for him for exactly what I needed from him, you know, not just like the money itself, but other things related to it, I started to notice like, oh, wow. Okay. This is where I get to like lean into a, what's uncomfortable about asking for me. And also, you know, staying in the place of asking from a place of excitement, from delight, from like, honesty from being raw, real, like really coming back to like what we both agreed on and what we both want in our relationship. So asking clearly, we are so good at making demands, aren't we? And writing out to-do lists, right? And having other people, like we're so good at trying to read everybody's mind and read everyone's emotions. And let's just say this, like ladies, we're more intuitive. Naturally, we're more intuitive. We tend to be, not always, but we're much more you know, relational as creatures, right? We have that mother's instinct, that intuitive nature that allows us to really connect and feel a lot more, maybe what other people are thinking, what other people are feeling, depending on, you know, how tapped in you are to that. So naturally we kind of just assume like, well, they should just know, like, he should just know I'm tired. I've been going all week. Like he should just know and like offer up, you know, to take the kids or he should just know. And I want to get rid of this. No, he should not just know because men's brains don't think the way our brains work and they are created different. They are uniquely designed, completely different. They love to win. They love to take the the bull by the horns, execute on something, know what they're, they're out for. Like they're designed to hunt, to pursue, right? To, to conquer, like that's just a, in their DNA. So this is the one thing that is so potent, if you can get it, is really, can I get to a place where I'm like, you've got to know what you want, right? You've got to know what you need. You've got to know what you're asking for. And again, this is a, li- this is a practice, right? Of like, what is it that you actually are needing right now? What is it that you actually would love? What is it that you would actually, you know, are asking him 
to help you with, to provide for you, to assist you with whatever, right? Like, are you even clear on it? Cause I see that a lot of times, you know, I was getting so upset that, you know, he wasn't reading my mind or he wasn't, you know, just knowing what I needed and that knowing is comes from intimacy, by the way, too, right? The more you get to know each other intimately and you forge that intimate connection, the more natural it will be to just intuitively tap into each other because you will be more emotionally and energetically connected. So you start to not only think like the other person, but you can really feel each other more, right? So this is twofold. Number one, men always say, well, I'm not a mind reader. And I'm like, yes, I know. So the first step one is like, are you clear on what you need? Are you clear on what you desire? Are you communicating it clearly? Right? Again, you got to do the work first. And with this is like giving yourself permission to, to, to even give it to yourself or to ask for that. Right. That's a huge one. It's like, then there's all the guilt that we experience with just, well, I feel like I should do it myself and all the cascade of stuff with that comes with that, that just reveals to us, right. The unhealed, wounding the parts of us that maybe are holding on to some old faulty programming that gets to go. That's not in alignment with this intimate, beautiful marriage you want to create. So all that stuff that comes up, the discomfort, it's good because it's showing us the residue that gets to go or the healing that gets to happen or the conversations that get to be had or cleaned up. Right. So, um, there was something I wanted to share about that, but the, the, um, the asking, yeah. So the first step is, you know, getting in that place of just communicating, right? And again, that's before you can get in flow. Once you start to harmonize to each other, once you start to sync up and you guys start to get in your groove and you are literally now becoming more of one, right? You're still two, but you're also one unit. You start to harmonize. You start to tune into each other. You can feel each other. And now this is the beautiful place that I'm talking about where it's like, you, you start to just know what each other needs or wants because there's a deeper knowing and a sensation. And by the way, you come in and out of this place all the time of like being one and then you, you get separated. And I gave an example of that this weekend. It could be something like, okay, there's company, there's kids activities, and there's all this chaotic stuff. And all of a sudden it's like disconnected. You're not getting each other. He's not understanding you. You're not understanding him. You guys just got out of sync. That's all right. You weren't in your flow. You weren't tapped in. This is why I really, really believe in the power and like the, like it's, it is essential to have one-on-one time every day weekly, quarterly, where you get back together and you can sync back up literally to each other's rhythm, right? Through conversation, through going for walks together, through simple techniques. I do a lot of techniques with couples of just helping them. There's all kinds of ways that we can recalibrate to each other, right? Praying together, doing breath work together. There's so many things that we can do, but even just spending time together, focused on what we're creating, not all the problems, right? Um, is huge. So having that practice where, and I I find where this is something where maybe women get to lead this a little bit more in clarifying, like asking for how much of that you need or what that gets to look like. I know quality time is one of, it is my top love language. So I take the lead on that. You know, Mark is very good. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely the one that's like, Hey, let's even this last weekend, I was like, before the weekend started, um, I just said, Hey, let's make sure that we 
have that point of contact for us to go far through. We have a three mile loop that we walk. And so we did that every morning and it was great. We just needed more of that throughout the day because there was so many moving pieces, but that was a huge piece that kind of kept us grounded all weekend while all these things were going on. Right. So it was, ended up being really good. Um, but the more you have going on, the more awareness you need to have about coming back together and having those, I call them like set points where you recalibrate to each other, right? So ladies, don't, you know, feel bad if you're like, I have to be the one to initiate. He should be initiating. We're the more relational leaders. Um, and there's other things that he can step up and lead on too. And again, if you want him to take the lead, then you can ask for that, right? Um, so I don't want to stay on that too long. You know, the last thing that I want to end with here is, you know, think that one of the things that we really desire secretly, and it comes out over and over again, and I see it as women drop into more of their feminine nature. We come back to more of our God-given feminine design and we relax a little bit is this desire that we want to be taken care of, right? Like, and we sometimes feel really malnourished, so we don't want to nourish and nurture them. Every single man, hands down, that I've talked to, especially if you guys are in this weird dynamic where he's the kid and you're the whoop, and you're the mommy. I don't know what happened there. Sorry about that. Where where he's the you know the kid and you're the mommy, you start to resent nurturing or pouring nurturing energy into the relationship, or maybe you just are like, I'm, I'm done. I don't have any of that. Like I'm, I don't have that available for you. So he doesn't feel the nurturing essence. And what can happen is you can get into this weird dynamic of like mothering him. Right. So part of this ties into that deciding like what role you want to play and coming back into the space of, you know, I'm the lover. And part of this is you really being held and cared for, for again, first within yourself, right? You being able to see yourself, to, to care for your body, to honor the things that you truly need and desire and, and honor that, knowing that God also is holding you and caring for you so that you can actually allow your husband to, or your partner to care for you as well. If you are refusing to care for yourself, right? And I'm not just talking about bubble baths and workouts and self-care. I'm talking about like nourishing yourself, simple things like eating good food or, you know, resting when you're truly exhausted or just letting yourself feel the grief that's washing over you. If you're going through something difficult, the more you can care for yourself, the more you actually open yourself up to be taken care of or cared for, which actually allows you to pour more nurturing energy, affection, affection into your marriage. And I have yet to work with one man who isn't starved for that, actually, that they love, they just, they thrive, they, they're created for that. And that's something that only the feminine can bring is that nourishing life force, right? That nurtures, not in a mothering way, right? Again, it's, there's the nurturing that we do for our children, but there's a nurturing that we do for the men in our lives that is very different, right? And it's such a potent medicine, for them. And, um, I believe that that's us bringing the life force, right? It's like, it's, it's literally like I'm having this image of, you know, suckling on life force or it's a living spring of water that we're bringing that is so nourishing to them because they feel, they feel held just when we bring that, that beautiful energy into the space. And, um, it could be simple, but you know, it could be like nourishing touch, nourishing words, you know, being able to hold a space for him while he's sharing something with you without 
you freaking out or judging or whatever. It could be so many different things. But again, it's you getting clear on like, what's the difference between me just pouring some affection, a nurturing energy into our relationship, but without mothering, right? The nourishment of a lover. Words are huge. Touch is huge, right? Tone is huge. An invitation to bring him into more life-giving experiences. Huge. This is probably one of the biggest ways I think that I've contributed to my husband is really like pulling him away from the day-to-day having to do, having to build and inviting him to go play, to adventure with me, to go for walks, to play in the woods, to go paddle boarding, you know, these little micro things where I'm like, come, come play with me. And then I can just pour some love into him. It is like rocket fuel. And again, I know every relationship is different. So, you know, part of this is us getting to know each other, getting curious. But, you know, I would just say like, if you, um, feel like your relationship is malnourished. I do believe that that really starts with us starting to really learn to care about ourselves, to care for our inner woman, to care for our bodies, to care for our environment and invite him to, to care for us. They, they do want to rise and these go hand in hand with asking for what you need, right? Like asking, um, And I'm always amazed and in awe of the little ways that my husband comes through. I just love it. And he takes such good care of me, you know, and it's the little things like pre-booking, you know, hotels when I'm traveling. So it's one less thing I have to talk, think about, or when I'm in a hotel, like, you know, he'll text the valet and make sure that the car is ready for me when I go downstairs. You know, this just happened a few weeks ago, or when I get home, he's already got flowers by my computer and by my bed, or, you know, they're, they're little things. Or when I'm traveling and I come home, he's already pre-ordered sometimes, um, you know, some of my favorite foods from Instacart or whatever, and just or pick them up. And again, he likes to do things like that, but it's just the little things, right? That make us feel so loved. It's not the huge things. All of these things are, are micro things. They're decisions, they're choices, right? They're micro alignments of our awareness of our words, like shoot a slight 1% shift in our tone, a leaning back instead of, you know, being forcefully in. And it's all these micro shifts, these subtleties that start to really change the tides inside of our marriages, inside of our relationships. And what I love about it is just how quickly they start to reorganize things. So again, I shared five today. I, I, these are just some of my most favorite conversations when I work with couples, because I know that Every relationship has so many opportunities to go deeper, wider, to get more nourishment, more connection. And sometimes it can feel like we've got these walls, these mountains, just canyons starting to form between us. And it is the subtle things. It is the small things, right? That start to bring life back into the relationship. So ladies, I'm so um, curious if this resonated with you. I'd love to hear from you. Make sure that you connect with me over on Instagram at the Christine Jewel. Make sure that you leave a review if you haven't done that yet. I always read them. I love to hear what what's landing for you. And um, again, when you come over to the Christine Jewel, you can sign up to get on my email list. There's always amazing things happening for couples, for uh, coaching opportunities in marriage. There's couple retreats that we run um, yearly. There's lots and lots of opportunities for you to get connected and get some support either for yourself um, to rise and, you know, into deeper relationship or, or together. So super excited to support more couples in that journey. It really 
rising together, creating a shared vision and deepening their bond. Because I believe that once we do that, we become really, um, we, we can do mighty work for God's kingdom, right? Like he just puts things in our hearts that we are only meant to do together, to create together. Um, but we have to set the foundations, right? So, um, thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of this conversation. I trust that these things are things that you can implement and integrate into your life this week. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me in today's episode. It is my intention to bring you valuable heart shifting content every time that will upgrade your life. If you're a new listener, make sure you follow the podcast so you can stay up to date as future episodes roll out. And I invite you to head on over and join my free community, Warriors of the Heart on Facebook. In there, you'll find bonus trainings, a game-changing assessment tool, and exclusive member-only offers. Until next time, Warriors, here's to loving fiercely and leading courageously in the untamed life, the only life worth living.